we hear them listening to us? I, I hope someone's listening to us. <laughs> Absolutely. They're always listening. You know how it goes. Everywhere Absolutely. everywhere I go, and even inside my own mind, they're listening. It's a, it's really freaky stuff. I am, um, I'm pretty excited about this one because I've had questions about graffiti uh, pretty much my whole life. Um, being from Des Moines, Iowa, you can imagine we don't have a whole lot of that. Um, Definitely not a lot of graffiti I've ever heard of there. Yeah, not not a lot. And if there is, it's mandated pretty quickly um, and changed, gone over, painted over, you know, these sort of things. Um, so my question, because it might take a while to, like, sort of sift through, and I might not say it right, and it might be a little confusing, but okay. one thing that's always like compelled me to make my own art is the the danger aspect of my own mind questioning my thoughts and the purity of my thoughts and the truthfulness of my thoughts and my subconscious and trying to bring out something into reality that's tangible to where someone can actually touch your thought smell your thought feel your thought have a, you know, cause themselves to have feelings and emotions that are chemical because of your, because of your thought. So graffiti, in my opinion, begins with acknowledging a danger, a fear, not, maybe not a fear, but a danger. And the danger is also most definitely in most places, a legality. And the legality comes with a responsibility by them that they govern. Can you tell me anything about this, the thoughts prior the work, the, the thoughts of literally understanding this reality's laws, its placements, its structures, what it's decided is best for the human condition, and then being there at that moment with this more or less idea of conquering this sort of belief, what what goes on there in in your mind? What what do you believe this is? The idea of understanding what you're about to do that necessarily isn't um, isn't allowed. Am I making sense? Absolutely. You're you're making sense. Uh, I mean, you're touching on some of one. What I grew up doing, so exciting. You know, graffiti, street art, and murals are three buzzwords today. Everybody calls it street art. It's safe. It's on the side of a building. It's a beautiful mural. Great. I love that. I see that. I respect that. I'm happy public art is getting out there. But what really gets me going and excites me is the pure drive of street graffiti, of vandalism, of Tom loves James spray painted across a building, bubble letters filled in in silver of the established graffiti artist, the scrawl on the stop sign, um, the scratching in the bathroom on the mirror of the gas station on the freeway, you know, shit that is not supposed to be there. You know, the pure drive of 
writing your name over and over and over again purely for the sake of fame. You know, traditional graffiti is letter-based. It's not beautiful characters. It's not a sticker of uh, someone's dog, et cetera, like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just pure letter-based, and it's about writing your name over and over again and becoming known for it, being everywhere at once, yet nowhere at all. When most people start writing graffiti, they're young teenagers. Uh, I know I was, and while of course I know it's illegal, I'm not really thinking about saying, this is illegal, I could get arrested. Gee, I shouldn't be doing this. I just have the drive of wanting to get up, wanting to be there, wanting to see your name places. I think the same as anyone who's passionate about something. You know, you're in a band, you're passionate about making music, you just have to create. And whether that creation is a well-established hand style that's super stylistic, or it's literally a teenager scrawling their name, continuing to get better as they go, it is what it is. But that pure drive, and then once you go out and do it, you really start to understand that you're not supposed to be doing it. You're looking around, seeing who's watching you. You are paying attention to the time of day you're doing it. You're paying attention to your body language and how you're standing to try and block what you're painting on. Or you're out on a train line uh, on painting a retaining wall at three in the morning and you hear gunshots and there's the, the crazy hobo man and um, cars getting broken into nearby you. I mean, you name the circumstance. I've either been in it or have friends that have been in it and the stories we've heard are just so wild. But, you know, figuring out how to go into a subway yard or layup and spend five minutes or a few hours you know, painting the sides of the trains and watching your name roll by in that station is, you know, a, a feeling you can't really describe unless you've done it. Um, and no matter how illegal any of it is, no matter how much trouble you can get into for it, uh, there's always a new group of kids that want to do it that are 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old that just don't really understand the consequences because of their age. They get the, they get the, the drive, uh, they get the addiction and they go for it. And, you know, a hundred kids get started in their teenage years, you know, 10 will be left by the time they're in their twenties. By the time they're in their thirties, just two or three of them that are still really good at it, that are still doing it. Does that uh, kind, kind, of, kind of give you an insight? Is that what you were looking for? Absolutely. I love that. The, this drive, I'm going to I'm going to take it deeper and I want you to know that I'm not taking it deeper because I'm interested in the legality things. I'm taking it deeper because this really interests me this drive and this 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 inner thing and I believe the world we live in today everybody's right because everybody's wrong. Everybody's wrong because everybody's right and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. No one listens to anyone. Everyone's an expert. Everyone thinks their shit doesn't stink, and everyone knows everything because the person they're talking to is wrong at all times. So this is a very good <clears throat> pardon me, uh, art form to express these sort of things. So let me ask you this. Let's, let's take it a little farther, if you're willing. Um, and, uh, again, I, I'm getting into these kind of things because, like, I like uh, – my 
favorite living artist currently is Joel Peter Witkin. And if you know who he is and you study his art, you, you have to ask yourself, how did this gentleman bring this into this reality? How was he allowed? How did he get it into a gallery? How did a book get published with these images? How's the, how, how does he go to a grocery store and buy yellow onions? And, and, and say hello to people with this imagery. So the trains, this, has been my, this will be my starting point. Hundreds of people are responsible for engineering, creating, drawing, blueprinting, catting out an art form known as a train, from the tracks to the third rail, the efficiency down the tunnel, the idea of carrying humans. It's one ginormous thought process that starts with art. It starts with imagination. Someone had to come up with it. Someone had to create it and dig deep. So you, you pass all that. You pass all that creation and all that, and here it is. And now it's just an everyday thing that you see. It's there every day. It's mundane. You've lost sight of what it even is. We're so far away from the guy who dreamt it up in the excitement that it's just basically Kool-Aid now. So you take this young person who has no idea of the efforts of humans who probably some are no longer with us, spent their lives creating this art known as a train, subway, whatever. And then you have a young person simply, I'm gonna break it down like you said it, they just wanna see their name roll by. It's a drive. It's a drive. They want to see their name. But is that name on that train? What's the trade-off here of art on art? What's the trade-off on – I'm not going to use the words that the general public uses because I don't believe in them when it comes to graffiti. But what's the trade-off here? Uh, a marble statue in a park? or a subway train, or a wall in the ghetto. What's the trade-off of the person doing it, the artist doing it, and potentially not taking one moment to understand the efforts, the longevity of creativity and passion to create what they're creating over? Does this come in mind ever? Do, 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 do you think this is part of the culture? Where any, it's like stopping and praying. Does anyone stop? and say a lot of good artists made this train, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my tag, I'm gonna put me, me over this. What goes on there for that ability and that drive? What, is there ignorance there where I'm, someone's just completely ignoring the fact that it's a piece of art that they're putting art on? Or is there a moment like praying, acknowledging, abiding and then conquering do you do you know what i'm saying does that make sure sense? no absolutely it's, it's a good question something uh myself and uh some of my friends talk about sometimes uh in a sense i'll i'll answer that question in a little bit of a roundabout way um there are no rules in the world of graffiti except rules that the artists make themselves or the vandals make themselves, depending on what uh, you would like to call them, and pass down and uphold amongst themselves. 
those rules are very loose, but in a sense spread internationally. You're going to go over someone, be prepared to fight that person. If someone has a tag on a wall and you do a big, huge, colorful thing, that's kind of okay because you went bigger, bolder, and crazier and spent more time. But still be ready to fight that person because you went over them. You know, graffiti is a sport in a sense, and it's a dangerous sport. It's you know, playing ice hockey with no pads or helmets, something like that. And uh, there's, there's a lot of rivalry out there. Uh, and graffiti writers, though, some of them, or a majority of them, I would say, do have sets of rules and ethics. While they're stealing most of their supplies and doing anything they can to get over because the art inherently is illegal, uh, they're generally respectful about going over one another, going over each other's histories in their cities, and somewhat in where they write. Uh, of course, you will see graffiti on private property and on homes and things like that, but rarely do you just see it scrawled across someone's house. Of course, if it's a very, very urban environment, you can. And in L.A., especially in the 90s and 2000s, you would see it written on palm trees because space is at a premium. Um, but overall, there's less and less graffiti on large public monuments, which isn't really the case right now with the reckoning of the world, which is very interesting as a whole other story with uh, the graffiti that's sprung out uh, based on that. Uh, but that's that's another topic. As far as traditional graffiti, it usually stays away from monuments and places of worship. But anything else is kind of fair game. Uh, does the graffiti writer think about the countless hours and people and um, years and years that went on to designing the train system or the bus they are jumping up while it's riding in traffic and spray painting across the window. No, they don't. Uh, they care about getting their name up and seeing their name run. But at the same time, there's countless graffiti writers that then become massive rail fans and study the freight trains and collect freight train books and know more about freight trains than probably half the people working on the freight train system. Uh, graffiti writers have painted the subway train system in New York City and other cities become massive fans of the system, learn the history, learn the old tunnels, collect the old signs. So in a sense, they do have a respect for what it is. That respect often comes after years of being around it and just wanting to learn more, but also after they have taken and become part of that system. Okay. Again, again, I'm not pro or against, you know what I mean? I, art is my God, you know, and I hate using that word. I can't stand it. It drives me nuts. But for people who use it, Art, I just can't stand it. It's just I use it too much. It's way part of my life in a way that's negative. Just too many people don't understand it. They use it against me. But for the general listener, it's easy to grab a hold of. So for art purposes, when you say my gut instinct, when you were just telling me, and look, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not against or for here. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. We're just, just this, this, converse, this conversation really excites me because – we can pinpoint this drive that you've talked about. This drive is what I know and what 
I want people to feel. But when you say they become big fans of the railway, railway uh, sort of thing, do you think some of that's guilt? Do you think that it's just this bareness, the human feeling of, like, I'm hardcore, but then it goes on, and that's so, some sort of guilt comes in and, and sort of doesn't water it down but helps mend the womb of the legalities and, and the acceptance because now fame is setting in, and we got to do something because I don't care who you are in the world of art. You know, very few stay right at that, that, that beginning thing for the rest of their career. It just, you know, there's bills to pay. There's things to do. You've got to ride it. You know, I very, very rarely, El Duce is probably someone who just stuck right there. He kept the it real. Whole, yeah, he kept it real the whole time. You know, people like that. Gigi Allen, even though he had some things that he said that, really, you know, weren't what, but again, realist. Do you think any of that is guilt? I don't think there's guilt um, from any graffiti artist I've spoken to uh, about what they've done. Of course, you're always going to find a few people that are now a born-again Christian and found God and right, are right. everything they've done, but you'll find that from people that were in rock and roll or people that were in this or people sure. that were in that. Um, but as far as the graffiti artist being ashamed that they wrote on a subway system or a train system or buses or things like that, I've never found anyone ashamed of it. I found people that when they were younger, they didn't realize they shouldn't be painting over the numbers on the freight trains because then they get buffed easier. If they don't paint over the numbers, the train runs longer. They're not really ashamed of having done it or creating extra work on the system. They just look at it as I was young. It was a learning experience. Gotcha. Right. So, okay. Do you know extremely hardcore taggers? Like, I, I, that's a word that I use. Just, I don't know. I picked that up in L.A. from somebody from L.A. just over a decade ago. That's how. So what I want to bring it into this tagging world. Do you know? Here's the deal. Do you know people willing to go into Compton right now for their name to be seen and spray paint right over a blood or a, a, a Crips uh, sign, their block, that this is their block, this is their set, this is who runs this block? Do you know people that are willing to go down for this, to go right over there and those establishments that are known? It's like urinating on a tree from an alpha male dog. And, and for this fame, this, this graffiti, do you know people that go and do that? There's always people that will go do things like that. Um, but in a sense, the people that are going to do those kinds of things don't really respect the graffiti culture. Um, and they're sort of the outliers of it in a sense. Overall, to become a great graffiti artist, most kids grow up lighting in their neighborhood. Then they start quickly venturing out. They have a friend with a car. They get on the bus. They get on the train. They ride their bike. And you start going, you know, you, you live in, you know, one city or one little town. Start hitting the next town, on and on and on. And the notion of going all city is what really drives so many graffiti artists. If you're only big in one square mile, you're probably not going to get that much respect. You know, it's about being all city and having your name everywhere. 
as much as possible and as big and bold as possible. It's not about showing disrespect of going over. Well, let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this. Sure. What about what about this person I'm talking about going in, not going over, but putting their name, their tag right next to this, right, right next to this is our block. Fuck off. Right next to it. People, I'm on it. Go ahead. There's definitely people that go out and, and do those things, too. At the same time, though, if you go up right next to another writer, you're spot jocking. It's okay. not an original location. People don't respect ah. it as much. If it's a wall just covered in tags, cool. You caught a tag on it, no big deal. But if it's one really clean wall with a really beautiful or gang writing on it and you go up on it, that's just ignorant and you know asking for problems. That's their neighborhood. Right. That's what they're doing. If you want to get up in that neighborhood, go find a wall to get up on. Gotcha. Um, okay. And find your own location. You know, you're asking for trouble. No matter where you do that, if you're, if you're completely, if someone has, the, there's a new fresh wall and there's, I don't know, it's a 10 foot long wall and someone covered six feet of it and you just go up on the corner, you're spot jocking. If it's a wall that's the entire length of a large city block and someone just did one little thing on it and you do something on it, no big deal. Yes, I see that. I understand. I, I originally, I never paid attention to to graffiti that much because it just it's a very hard thing uh spray paint is a very i mean there's a whole art on just grabbing that can as we all know i mean you just it's not easy you know and there's all these techniques and ways and you know there's all this stuff that goes with it but i first started really getting into it i spent a lot of time in new york and I was always fascinated with the bubble gum on the street, on the sidewalks. So I would walk like in a shishi, ha ha part of town, you know, by Louis Vuitton, and there'd be less gum out in front of those stores. And then I'd get down to like, you know, I don't know, just just somewhere in a district that's really arty or whatever, and there's just more traffic, and then all this bubble gum that's black. So. I would connect the dots. I would take pictures and connect the dots, and I'd get into these ideas of wouldn't that be awesome if that was a language and, like, all this stuff. But then one day, all of a sudden, I started noticing what the city writes. You know, like, the orange spray paint, they're like, there's a valve here. This is where the main pipe is. You know, here's a gas pipe, and they use all these different colors and symbols and lines. And I was like, I got into the that whole language. for a while. What's that? If you look at, if it's a whole language, if uh, you ever see like electrical workers um, when they're like at the boxes and the boxes are open, there's tons of signatures from past electrical workers leaving their mark. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of, that, so I started paying attention to that. And then when I was in LA, I was with someone and we were hanging out in East LA and they pointed out you know, gangs and and people's writings on corners. And they start dividing it for me. Like, this is this cat's name. This is who he belongs to. This is their corner. They sell this. I I can't remember everything. It was so quick. It blew my mind that I was walking around on, like, 
walking under the general community, you know, under under the law, under the internet, under under all this. Here it is, just blatant, almost like cave paintings. That's when my brain opened up, and I was like, "Well, okay, I just discovered this really hidden method, almost right under my own feet." And then it took me to a bigger world where I start, you know, understanding these statements that were right in front of me that I never used to look at because I kind of looked at it like, okay, somebody came out here and they did that. I didn't really ever go into the idea of there's a reason behind it or maybe no reason at all. You know what I mean? So it's always been a fascinating uh, thing because I think of this drive that you talk, I think the beginning of the creation of this sort of art begins with this drive and there can be a fear. And I think that is just an awesome motivator to create art. I was reading, you know, I really love this idea of what you're doing, bringing all this together under one, you know, sort of place and, and combining it all with what I guess there's some history there and kind of, help i i feel like it's something that's going to open up this idea a little bit more into people because i feel like most people in the world probably just look at graffiti as vandalism because their brains you know they they got to be up at a certain time they got to get on the bus at a certain time they got to be at work you know they're just not looking past what someone's immediately going to say which is do not spray paint on this wall so Tell me a little bit about the gallery and bringing people together and and bringing this thought process to the world. Absolutely. Um, you know, my career, I've started off as a graffiti artist or writer or vandal, depending on um, what stage it was at in the early 90s growing up outside of Washington, D.C., and very quickly was traveling around in my early teens to other cities with friends that were in bands, just hanging out and made a lot of great connections from New York City to L.A. to Miami and all the cities I was in, including my own, I was really always interested in the history, who was there first. And, you know, as a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid caring about what was happening in some of these cities in the 70s and 80s, I guess, was not the norm. Most people just wanted to go right on more shit. Of course, I wanted to go right on more shit, but I also wanted to go find somebody who had negatives of the history and get a copy of them. Um, and fairly quickly, I built a great network around the country, trading pictures with people. A lot of the artists were older than myself. And by the time I was 19, I started a magazine called While You Were Sleeping that was all about graffiti and all the kinds of bad things teenage boys want to read about, from you know porn stars to failed child actors to how to cheat in school, you name it. And uh, within a few years, that was my job. That was my life. Um, it was kind of like a Vice magazine in a sense before a lot of people knew what Vice magazine was. And through that, I was exploring, telling so many stories of heroes of mine uh, growing up and contemporaries of mine whose work I just loved. And thankfully, we had a real distribution and we were bringing it to semi the masses. And I saw that there was just a real thirst and hunger and interest in the work. And then, of course, so many of my friends, uh, you know, how, how you said also, they don't stay at the same place. They grow. While they still might be out writing on the street, they also are in their studio 
figuring their shit out on canvases, figuring their shit out with sculptures and continuing to grow their bodies of work that way. And through the years, a handful of them got really amazing at it. And I'd have a friend that went to school, graduated, and was now a stockbroker, a lawyer, what have you. And he's saying, hey, what about our friend that was an artist? I just bought a house. I, I need some art for my house. What, you know, can you get me something? And you know, uh, our friend started selling art. And everybody started realizing this is, you know, we'd, we, we'd heard about things like that happening, but none of us wanted to be art dealers. None of us were thinking we're going to be famous gallery artists, et cetera, although we had some friends that were doing it. And um, it started to happen. And through that and my digging of history, I started to look at the gallery system more, the museum system more. We started making books. Uh, we've done over 50 or 60 of them at this point, from small publishers to self-publishing to large publishers, mostly about graffiti, street art, and punk rock, and a lot of its histories. The things I started collecting at a young age, um, I held on to. So many more of them were ephemeral uh, and would help tell the stories. Of course, it's much easier to find a photo of the graffiti or of the painting, but necessarily the anti-graffiti ad from that city from 1982 that really helped showcase what was happening is a lot harder to find. So uh, I, I've been collecting, hoarding, and working on telling histories of different cities. And at the same time, really trying to work with my friends and contemporaries and heroes of mine that have really gone on to have pretty elaborate, established studio careers as artists in very nice galleries and museums. And I do my best to have them continue to show their respect as they all have it and have great love towards where they came from. Although so much of their work doesn't look like it anymore, they still love to get together as groups and show. And uh, I had, thankfully, some quite successful museum shows we did uh, in Los Angeles. Art in the Streets was the biggest show MoCA had ever done. We had over 200,000 people come through in 2011. And I just got really annoyed and frustrated at the museum system after that and was doing my best to continue that forward motion. And it was just gray-haired ladies wanting to decide what you could do in the museum. This show will happen in four years. You have to bring the funding. You have to do this. And I have a background also in doing a lot of experiential media and marketing and brand development and large-scale events. So we figured, you know what, we know how to do all of these things. We might as well just do a show ourselves. We knew it wouldn't be easy. And in 2018, I launched in Los Angeles a show called Beyond the Streets in a warehouse in Chinatown that was over 50,000 square feet of exhibition space. And we had over 100,000 people come through. It was over 100 artists. We worked directly with all the artists to showcase their work. It was no funny business like you'll see in a lot of shows where work is borrowed back from a collector. We did the show in 2019 in Williamsburg in New York. We had over 100,000 people through again. The show was over 100,000 square feet. And we really expanded as opposed to only graffiti and street art. We're really looking at it as an attitude of rule breakers and mark makers artists really doing things under their own terms and their own ways, um, often drawing inspiration from the streets. And I, I think that's a, a smart way to continue to expand the show into music and other subcultures and pop cultures. And that's been an incredible experience because we can have the incredible exhibit that everybody wants to see and take a photo with for their, you know, preferred,
preferred social media platform. At the same time, they look across and they see some incredible historical photos and go read the text about them and learn something. So the whole idea of doing Beyond the Streets through the last few years has been education through entertainment. And thankfully, we've been able to really draw a lot of attention on the historical elements of graffiti and street art while still exploring some of the awesome things happening out there at the same time in people's studios who have just moved so far beyond what their street work looked like, yet still respecting them and putting them together. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I like this idea of someone let's say their graffiti is real big, you know, just huge. And then they bring their medium down in their brain and now they're in their four walls and starting to, to think about making it more precise some other way. Like you said, you know, it could be canvas, could be sculpture, who knows, could be writing, could be educating oneself on um, being a historian on what they do like you were bringing up so i think that i think that is fascinating that it's multi-layered beyond just the graffiti did i read that it's is there a gallery in la as well or is it uh, is the is there a main one that's in new york am i correct the show opened in los angeles in 2018 and then it moved uh to new york each show was uh uniquely similar uh, the show opened in Los Angeles in 2018. It was up for four months, and then we moved it to New York for 2019 for another four months, and we updated it and made it uh, much, much larger. Um, there is no permanent space we have. It's always just rotating and moving and uh, growing and updating. We were, of course, going to have two massive shows this year, one in the U.S. and one out of the country, but obviously those aren't happening. Right, it's uh, strange. I think I think the only thing that I can always find positive about what's going on right now in my brain is that everyone's going through it together. You know, it's not exactly. like it's not like pointed at one certain sort of thing. You know, everyone you know just has to chalk it up and say, okay, you know, the entertainment business is getting hit. But so is manufacturing drums. So is manufacturing. I'm a big boating guy, and uh, little fishing boats, little John boats, can't find one where mm -hmm. I'm where I'm at right now because everybody wants something to do. So you know, not only can they not make them, but what was here is gone. So it's a it's a crazy time for sure. Um, where's it located in New York? What what area? Uh, this show was in Williamsburg. Okay. Okay. All right. So it, and, it, um, was, it was massive. It was a hundred thousand square feet, two floors. It was like two. It was you know basically a city block times two. It was wild. That's amazing. I mean, and uh, what was the biggest piece? And were the pieces? I mean, the pieces are photographs. Um, there's you know obviously the, like you said. The, were there great big pieces, or was there? Oh, there was massive. Of... There was massive sculptures, a lot of large scale installations that were built in the space because they would have been oh, too big cool. to bring in. Um, you know, it was it was all over the place from you know just nice small photography and old event flyers to massive paintings. Sounds and amazing. installations. Who um, 
One thing I was going to ask, like, with your knowledge and your upbringing and obviously your participation and just your love and passion, who who are some of your favorites who maybe lent to some of your desire? I, that's a totally fair question, and honestly, I always pass on answering it because so many of the artists we work with um, and I represent and I'm close to, uh, you know, I love the work and, you know, you say one wrong thing, you leave one person out and you never hear the end of it. So I'm constantly inspired and surprised by so many of the people I work with and so many of the people I'm just honestly fans of. And overall, the drive that they continue to have is incredible. And I just I'm happy I'm around them. I'm happy I see it, whether I personally like the work or not of so many of the people and artists in this world, um, their determination keeps it going for me. Right, right. I understand that. I get that a lot, too. You know, it's always in the beginning of my career, you know, the, the press always wants to separate you. You know, they want their drama. They want their dirt. They <laughs> They want to be able to get you against. So it would always be like, you know, what music do you like? What's your favorite album? And this, that's like, you know, music is my God, my only God. So asking me what part of God I like best is impossible. You know what I mean? So I, I feel you on that one. Absolutely. Well, I, overall, I, I think the easiest thing to say is, you know, I'm constantly inspired by this group of artists I, I work with who have been able to take their passion and drive of something they started doing illegally as teenagers and turned it into a true career yet at the same time respecting where they came from. And that's what keeps me going. That and all of the same. I mean, the, the fact that I'm able to work with and make a living one way or the other through a passion I started as a teenager, a hobby, uh, addiction, so to say, and I'm able to work with so many of my friends that I've known for I'm 42 years old for since I was 14, 15 years old. You know, I'm able to constantly still see them. I'm able to work with them. You know, we're we're able to have our inside jokes and you know memories, and uh, at the same time, bring what we've done and what we have huge passions about to an international platform and have. You know, the housewife from New Jersey show up and, you know, a curator from a fancy museum and everybody in between and want to learn and be educated and enjoy what we did and fought for. Right. And got arrested for. <laughs> How many times have you been arrested? Um Growing up as a, you know, teenager running around writing graffiti. Uh, How many times? Three or four times. I remember them well. And did you always get taken to the tank? I mean, I mean, did you put it in community or slap on the head? What happened? I've had, I have thankfully not had horrible arrest experiences where I was in for long periods of time. It was all quick and got out fairly quickly too. I have uh, lots of friends that have not fared so well, so I definitely don't want to dwell on my thankfully good bad luck with um, the trouble I've been in when I know uh, so many of my friends have been in so, so much worse. Yeah, it always, it's, you know, I always felt like it was a dangerous 
you know, people always want it. I get paranoid, you know, I, I, because this world has put in a, a, you know, a trump card. You know, it's like, it's like being pulled over by the police. Any one little thing wrong with your car gives them the ability to pull you over. You know, like a broken taillight. Now you're busted. You know, some other crap. You're busted. And I always had people want us to sign money. And I'm like, no, screw that. You know, it comes, you're not supposed to deface money. And um, each one comes with a little charge. You know, if you got a couple hundred of them, you know, they'll be like, look, this sentence is this, but we'll be cool with six months or some shit. It's like, no. So I was figuring like graffiti, it's like, it could just stack up. That's what scared me. It's like, cool, we can prove you did a thousand walls and each one brings this. And we're cool. We won't make you serve the 300 years. You can just do two in county. So it's those sort of things behind that drive that fascinate me. Uh, to bring it, oh, so it definitely, it definitely adds up. And there are so many Vandal Squad cops out there through the years that turn into uh, want-to-be Vandals or Vandals in themselves. I can't tell you the amount of stories I've heard about Vandal Squad cops that all of a sudden get spray painted and write yes over people's work and for Vandal Squad, or they come up with their own name of crew of people and um, you know, make it be known that they're there and they're out there fucking with the graffiti artists. And they're going to find out everything you did, and they're going to bust you for every little thing they can. Yeah. It's that... That world even fascinates me more because it's humans dictating that. You know, they're not aliens. They're not gods. They're not like these hierarchy beings. They're other humans with the same blood and brain and abilities fighting. You know, it's like there's one openness to the human mind and then the, the direct opposite. And I find that hardcore because everybody's human seems like there'd be a compromise down the middle, especially with art, seeing how nothing around us is original. I mean, from the streets to I, I've been studying lately. I've really been getting on to code. Code fascinates me because code comes from death. You know, we don't put certain electricity things you know, because of death. You know, we make laws that things have to be certain ways so basically humans don't kill themselves. And that fascinates me. All these codes that we have learned since the beginning of time that we've accumulated and made law in order for humans to stay alive longer and not, you know, not check out. So, you know... I'm not sure what that has a lot to do with a lot of stuff, but the code, you know, it's just more or less kind of like something that stacks up in a thought process as well. It's kind of like that writing on the street in New York that I never saw the code. Now it's like, wow, I wonder, you know, why did the human mind go to the red for the stop sign? Obviously it means a lot of things. It means, of course, it means stop. It can, it, it can represent blood. It can represent fire. It can represent anger. It can represent all these things, you know. But why did we solidify, you know, the color red for stop in that shape with those letters 
that don't even exist anyway. We made it up. You know, we made up the word stop. So I guess what I'm trying to say with that is, you know, it's kind of like how I study graffiti. It's like when I go to Europe, I always take a lot of trains, any trains that I can. You know, I'll go from Paris to Amsterdam or something like that or London to somewhere if I can get off the bus or uh, bypass a plane. And that's when I get to see a lot of graffiti, you know. Um, Europe's incredible. It's covered. It's covered. And and there's a lot of great stuff. A really, you know, you, you do see the majority of, like, I guess, a thought process that isn't really, they're following, I guess. They're just kind of, there's no identity, but you can really feel that scratch when someone's in it, you know. And um, I think, it's like you said, I, I never really thought about it, but it's, I think the precision of choice of where, I think I've been stuck on the when. Is it at night? Like, are they wearing masks? Everybody hiding, running? But I think really it's, like you said, it's like if you're around everybody else, it is what it is. But if you're picking your pristine place and can have your identity on its own and be witnessed, I mean, that's really the feat, I guess, the acknowledgement of the art. So it's it's all pretty fascinating. It's a very hard art form to understand because there's that behavior issue that you have to change, which is the law in your head. It's so hard to look at a wall and start with the beauty of the color and what's happening because most of us, I would think, are used to just knowing it's a wall and you're not supposed to spray paint on it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Comes, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, in, in, in inherently, you know, it's illegal, everything that's happening. And that most makes, people... That excites me. That excites me. I think more and more now that we're having this conversation, I'm like, it's been the illegal part that would ever, would steer me away from it. Plus, I'm no good at it. I've tried my hand on a spray can many times, um, and uh, you know, it's it's a difficult art form. You know, it's not you something practice. should. I mean. Same as anything, you know, most people don't pick up an instrument and, you know, are great at it right away. You know, it it can take a couple years and or the right teacher. Well, I would be fascinated. Um, I come to L.A. quite a bit. Um, And I was going to tell you this, you know, kind of wrap it up and everything. I appreciate your time. I got the book. And honestly, it's, you know, this form of art has always, always, always really propelled my brain into some sort of lunacy behind it because of the risk and everything. But I've always wanted to know more, you know. I have a really odd question. Well, what I want to say was next time I'm in L.A., if you're around, man, if you ever have time, maybe we could pick up this part two and maybe, may, I don't know, but maybe there's some places you could show me because, you know, I'm not – an expert on this or know too much, but it would be fascinating for me to go see something very, okay. A lot of people will show me these obey things. This, this, I'm I'm not too, not too aware of that person or the story, but I have a lot of friends who are very into that and I'll be places and there will be that. And they'll, they'll show me, they'll be like, look, man, this is blah, 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 you know, and I'll be like, oh, wow. So maybe when I'm in L.A., maybe there's some famous or infamous things that you love or just things you need to know that maybe you could show me in per- person. Is there stuff like that? I'm sure, 
it's always changing, but there is stuff like that. Um, you know, as, as the years go by, things get covered, things get gone, but there's always something yep. new. So uh, I, I think there's definitely an opportunity just so we know and uh, can always plan a, a good outing. That's that, that's not that hard of an ask. Okay, well, that would be that'd be cool, even if it was covert. You know, I mean, like, you know, even if we were, like, under, and, you know, I'm down with that, too, you know. So, um, lastly... This is a weird, weird question, and I don't, but that's just me, I guess, is like the things that come up in my mind. So many years, I've seen this art form many, many times, and I just wanted to see what you thought about it because, you know, you fancy the spray can and, and are good at it and know it and know its feeling. And so I was in Cozumel down in Mexico, and we were walking around, uh, the streets, and there were these street artists who burn the paint. You know, they do like they'll throw a pot on it and paint a world, and you know, and then set it on fire. And then it's always kind of like a sci-fi world and atmospheric thing. But it's to me, it was always interesting that the paint could be manipulated this way and sort of create this on a small scale. I know it's nothing like what you know what you guys do and are into, but because you had that show, I'm just wondering: Have you ever seen this? Acknowledged it only for the simple fact of the the can. I'm only bringing it up because of the can. Not trying to draw a line between these two forms. Just wondering if if you know people or you yourself have manipulated this can and some of that fireworks or you know, like these worlds and these weird things. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have a, I, I, I sort of have an answer for you. Um, you know, through the years, anybody that's been be able to become good and then great at graffiti has been able to, you know, walk before you run attitude of, I can draw a letter that's straight and equal in proportion to the letter that goes next to it. You know, I can do something that looks good in just black and white before I add the third color and the fourth color, et cetera, to it. Um, there's all kinds of different tools also that go along with that. Um, caps, the tips that go on cans of spray paint, different caps do different things. Um, early on in graffiti, you would be taking, uh, you know, a cap from an oven cleaner because it would spray wider you would be taking a cap from this or that so there's different tools to the trade that allow for different people to do different things with it um so as the years go on people get better they get smarter they get wiser and if the artists are daring and interest you know intrigued and really need to push tools in a new way or just want to so many times i've seen people burn things, paint things, um, manipulate the cap they're using. Um, years and years ago growing up, you would put one can in the freezer and then be able to figure out how to spray some paint into the other can to mix colors. You know, there's just so many different ways to manipulate the can and manipulate the tools from stencils that you're spraying onto to other sharp edges to putting down a saw blade and brain around it to the types of caps and tools you use so um, absolutely it's, it's something that often happens and am I a fan of it absolutely but I'm only a fan of it 
if the artist knows what the hell they're doing with the regular tools and are not using it to mask something. It's like a good logo. If a good lo- if, a lo- if your logo doesn't look good in black and white, simple, you know, at an inch by an inch, it's not going to look good blown up. And it's not going to look yeah. good with, you know, four colors to hide it. You know, I want to see, I want to see true talent. And then I want to see that talent take those tools and expand to those tools and use those tools in ways you never expected. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Um, I thought a good way to be, to end this and thank you very much. This was really interesting and I've always wanted to be able to sit down with someone who is knowledgeable. I mean, I could talk and ask more questions, uh, that I really want to know, but you know, time and all this stuff, but you brought up something super fascinating to me right in the beginning of the conversation. I wasn't expecting it. But you literally brought up bathroom wall scratchings. And I've loved this my whole life. I've loved this. I've written these sorts of things into scripts that I play around with or just I've always wanted to direct a scene where someone's scratching, you know, for a good blowjob, right? (laughs) It's like these crazy things that men write and possibly women write in, in men's bathrooms, you know? But what I was going to ask you is, since you brought it up, would you have a favorite uh, dueling scratching that you recall in this bathroom? You know, anywhere in the world that you ever were, was there ever a certain profound thing scratched in the wall that blew your mind? That's a good question. And while I'm constantly shocked and amazed and laugh and take pictures of things, I never really thought about it as like, what's my, what's, what's my top five or top thing. And I'm sure nowadays all the things that I've uh, laughed at the most, you know, I'm not allowed to repeat anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked. You know, as I we grow it, up. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm kind of tired of that world, not being able to repeat the stuff, though. I'm kind of tired. I'm 50 years old, and I'm tired of this uh, new order of uh, thinking that, you know, we make words, but now we can't say them. Welcome to the blind world we're creating for ourselves through the youth. The youth want to be smart and correct me down on what I've been taught by humans. No. Ignorance, you know, I don't want ignorance, but I'm with you, man. Not being able to repeat things just because we'll get burned is not the world I really like living in anymore. And I don't have a problem saying anything I want to say, but I'm with you there. Um, I have a I, lot I of favorites. I, I guess, in a, you know, I also say it, too, in, in a way of, like, you know, things that you just laugh at there, you know, you don't even want to repeat it away because you look like a fucking idiot, you know, that you laughed at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I look at, I I look at it, you know, almost, well, yes, new world order. I I completely understand what you're saying there, but I, I really almost look at it too as like, man, you're supposed to be this educated person on this culture and this and this, and you're laughing at a, you know, a bathroom joke, like, come on, man. You know, I expect better from you. And you know what? We're all human and laugh at a lot of dumb shit. 
Yeah, but you know, you know, you're right, you're right. But come on, man, it's it's awesome to like have your head full of the world's political bullshit and just get force fed all the shit. And you walk into a flying J with a bunch of crazy people, and you walk up to the pisser and it says for a good blowjob call Bob or something, and you just oh yeah, chuckle. you're gonna laugh. You just laugh and you're like, Jesus, I was worried about fucking taxes and this just comes in and keeps it real. You know, this is like getting thunked over the head with a bone by somebody when you're all around the fire. It just keeps it real down, down to earth, simple zero. And uh, that's why I was fascinated that you brought it up and would consider it, um, let's not, I guess, not use the word graffiti, but like in a sense, you know, it's still... It's still that kind of in that thought process, different sort of scratch, obviously, you know. But uh, that was that really blew my mind. You saying that earlier because that has been a thing in my life, my whole life. And you know, being a musician, all the years on the road, on the bus, I've been to some places, man, and I've seen some things and flying jays, and I've I've witnessed all of it and been in the bathroom and witnessed it and, and read it and seen it and seen the, just an amazing under culture, you know, just another thing going on under our noses and you're either honed in or you're not. And that's why I call I'm so it fascinated a, by this art form. I call it pedestrian graffiti and it's some of my favorite stuff. Um, I collect photos of it through the years and, you know, it's, it's fun. Um, it's, it's not what people expect and you know it's seeing a large collection of things like that is awesome you know pedestrian graffiti is some of my favorite things cool man yeah it's uh it's fun well man i really enjoyed this i wish uh again i apologize but about the clowns technical problems i i know everyone's gonna laugh all the time the good news is we'll We'll just snip all that out and everything. But like I said, I'll be in L.A. sometime, and um, I'm really digging what I'm doing these days because, A, you know, I've never really been a forefronter to be, you know, just to get in there and do all the things I want. And what's been really great about doing E.T. is that I've gotten to meet and, you know, be introduced to a lot of people that have subjects and lifestyles and things that – that I look from the outside in, and then I create an, an opportunity. I mean, it'll be amazing to me if I'm in L.A., and let's just say I'm there recording, and all of a sudden something crazy happens in, in the graffiti world, and you just call the office, you're like, hey, there's clowns around. I could, you know, it's opening up this whole eye-opening thing for me, this, this podcast, in a way I never thought it would, but in a more... And, in a, in a way that's less digital, less online, less internet, and more manual, face-to-face, eye contact, physical, let's go learn what we talk. So I'm just, it's been a, uh, thank you very much. And uh, I, I did receive a book. I haven't looked at it yet because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get honed in on a certain name or a certain look. I wanted to leave it open for everybody, like the thought instead of like, and I know my brain would probably have gone to an exact piece and we might've spent some time on that, but thanks for the book. I'm going to check it out and I'd love to do this again. And um, yeah, man, thanks a lot. No problem. Thank you. If you know, if you ever have just 
general questions about graffiti or an artist out of this world, you know, feel free to reach out. Super easy to answer questions and happy to talk. It doesn't have to be, you know, formal. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll end with this. In my opinion, God, wouldn't it be awesome if there were just huge Slipknot logos everywhere? But that's I mean, you should go do that. (laughs) I mean, there's got to be great Slipknot graffiti out there that people, that fans have done. While we were talking, while we were talking, I was trying to think about that a little bit. It was a couple of things you said. I wasn't even thinking about that at all. But a couple of things you said, I started thinking about it. And honestly, man, I, I can't. I mean, of course, I've seen it. I, I've seen it, but I've seen more hesitant. Like I've seen the fear. I've seen like. Whoever did that had to do it in like 10 seconds because it was on. So is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. It's not right. It doesn't, it doesn't lend to being a good piece of art or a bad piece of art. It looks forced a little bit. And that's all I could remember seeing. And we have a logo, a Tribal S. And it's really hard to do. And I imagine it'd be really hard to do in spray paint unless you did it, you know, a little bit bigger. Then I think you could get a handle on it. But I was trying to think, and I just, uh, I can't remember in my career, but I may have not have been looking, man, because I'm so focused on other things. But like I said, in my opinion, it'd just be amazing. 